everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am excited. I have a guest. This is his 14th time on. It's Mr. Mark S.A. Smith, and he's coming back today to help me with my Foresight 2020 messaging for the end of the year to get you prepared for what you need to rock out 2020. So, Mr. Mark S.A. Smith, how the heck are you, dude? I am so delighted to be on the Bacon Podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you very much, Brian. And let's fry up some profits for our listener. I love it. I absolutely dig it. So today, we're going to be talking about setting a strategy. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be talking about profits and forecasting and horizons and sunrises and butter. No, we're not going to. We're going to be talking about money, right? So That's right. Let me let you dive in. You talked about there are four horizons that we need to pay attention to. So let's start off there. Give me kind of the big, broad brush, and then let's dig in a little deeper. You got it. Well, keep in mind that as the owner of the business, as the executive of the business, your mission is to direct your organization to where the customer money will be in the future. That's why we have to have Foresight 2020, 2020 Foresight. And what I want to share with you is some of the things I've learned working with executives over the past 30 years that they use to predict where to go, where to direct their resources to be where the customer money will be. That's why we want to go through this exercise. Now, we're going to do all of this in about 20 minutes. And the reality is you can probably sit down in an hour or so once a month and run through this exercise, and you're going to have a really good idea of where to put your time and attention to make money continuously, predictably, and profitably into the future. Sound good? Sounds great, man. But you might be thinking, how the heck can I expect to accurately predict the future when it seems almost impossible to even just get a good sales forecast? Where's money going to come from this month? Well, the reason why is because large group dynamics is what we're looking at as we forecast out. So it's way easier to predict than individual dynamics. Hard for me to predict what an individual customer would do, a whole lot easier for me to predict what a group of people will do. So in this conversations, we're using tools to predict what the overall target market will do, and we can do this with a lot greater accuracy. Cool? Okay. Let's rock it. All right. So keep in mind, executives create a future that does not yet exist using methods that have not yet been invented with best practices that have not yet been established. So don't let your ability to know how to accomplish something or not accomplish something stop you from saying, hey, this is where I'd like to go. The first time we ever travel to a new destination, we don't know what it's going to be like to get there, but we still go and we still arrive and we enjoy the journey. So don't let the fact that you don't know how to accomplish these horizons keep you from going after the horizons. You're going to learn an awful lot as we go down the road. So, um, Applied innovation strategy, and that's really what we're talking about here, looks at the, the, these four horizons, and then we'll take them apart. Sound good? Dude, sounds good. Let's rock it. All right. So the first one is six months out. 
And that horizon we call market chasing. What is it that the market's going to be looking for? How can we step in front of the people that have already decided to buy in the next six months? Six to 18 months is need seeking. What do you think the market's going to ask for next 18 to 36 months? This is technology innovation. So what future thing can we invent that the market's going to find attractive? And then 36 plus months out, this is where politics and cultural impact starts to come into play. So let's just uh, dial back and take a look at market chasing. Okay, what's the market buying today? So all you can really do in this time frame is adjust your marketing message to better align with what's resonating with customers right now. So tools to do this are things such as newsjacking. All right, what's going on in the news that you can latch onto and attach your services or products to? And so we're going to use that and data analytics and continuous testing to identify how to best tweak your market message to what's going on in the marketplace. So need to be doing that on a regular basis. Let's take a look at the need-seeking component. Okay, that's what the market's going to be looking for next. It's usually a small pivot. Sometimes it's something large and disruptive, but usually it's a small pivot. So within this time frame, you can start to identify any adjustments to your product offerings. And I know that you do this, Brian, when you talk to your customers, uh, what they need uh, that they don't have right now, and you adjust some of the offerings you have to make that happen. We might want to improve some value propositions, maybe enhance the product packaging, maybe reduce production costs, because for a particular product, costs tend to be pushed down over time. Mm -hmm. And to do this, this is where customer panels and advisory boards can be helpful, especially to those who really understand the, the, the market going forward. Um, market testing, this is uh, where surveys and tests and uh, research help, and also careful competitive analysis. Now, you only want to analyze competitors that have a track record of knowing what the heck they're doing. Not all competitors have the knowledge that you're getting from this podcast. So competitive analysis is something that I want you to be wary of and only uh, pay attention to those people who have a good track record. All right. So next one is the 18 to 36 month window. This is technology innovation. What future technology is going to impact the market here? We're going to do a couple things. One, we're going to look at Moore's law which is that technology power doubles every 12 to 18 months. So conversely, today's technology will be half the price in the same time frame. And we can apply this to almost everything we do. You know, the fact that the next uh, smartphone that's going to be out is going to have substantially more compute power, substantially more photographical power, uh, more speed, all of those things have an impact on the technology that we may uh, need to bring to the customer. It could also be that we have people that have more money. That, that's a technology. So how can we tap into uh, maybe perhaps getting people that were at the edge of purchasing what we have and creating an offering that reaches down and allows more people to then be brought into our tribe? Now, the interesting thing about Moore's Law is it started to accelerate. As a matter of fact, uh, we are now seeing the amount of compute power on the planet double about every four months. Amazing. Absolutely crazy amazing. Get ready for technology to do just stunning things in 2020. Can't wait to go to uh, CES this year and see what those folks have got cooked up. Then the other technology law we might want to look at is Metcalf's law, which is that a network is exponentially valuable. So the more people you have in your network, the more valuable your network is. So take a look at what networks are growing and how you might be able to tap into 
those networks. Of course, we're using things such as Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest and Instagram. Those are all networks that we can dial into. We also want to pay attention to what other networks might be coming up online and plug into that. So some of the current technology you might want to consider are, uh, from a technology standpoint, cloud computing, 5G networks are going to be coming on, which is going to radically change a lot of businesses because of the speed of, of technology and access to the Internet of Things. I expect for that to uh, become substantially broader. As, as well as artificial intelligence, which is getting smarter and smarter. So that's, you know, we're looking a year and a half to three years out, but you still have to pay attention to that, keep you from getting disrupted, and also make sure that you can put, hitch your uh, wagon to the technologies that are going to be working. Right. But for most businesses, I mean, you know, they're so focused on the now because, as you were saying, the speed of change is increasing. Indeed. And so, you know, being aware of what's happening in the three to six month or one year portion of that is really where I think most people are going to spend their time. But I think it makes a lot of sense to, you know, kind of forecast out so you get a sense of not only where am I going to be today, but how is technology going to change where I'm going to be, you know, 12 to 18 months from now? Well, a big part of this is because of the increase in acceptance of artificial intelligence, anything that's a five-minute task done by a human will, in the near future, be done through artificial intelligence, potentially robotics. And so you have to take a look at the value of what you bring to market, and the forecast out has to be, will I be replaced? How soon will I be replaced? And what can I do to bring relevant value to keep me relevant and to keep me valuable. So part of what we have to understand is that technology over time replaces all of us. <laughs> and so what are we going to do to bring to market something that is going to keep us relevant and paid? <laughs> that's what I really want you to think about. Yeah. And that's, that's the key is, you know, reinventing yourself in a way that keeps you relevant is tough because you can't predict how the marketplace is going to affect what you do. I mean, you can. We can. Okay. And that's the, that's the whole intention behind this conversation is, yes, you can look out and you can at least get a sense for where the market is going. While you may not understand the fine granular details, you sure as heck can figure out the, the broad brush strokes of what you can what you're going to have to pay attention to and what is exiting stage left from right. buyers um, budgets so what you're saying is don't get mired down in the now start to look ahead well the now is how you make money today mm -hmm. looking ahead is where you're going to make money in the future and as a business owner or executive they're equally important so while while the future has a lot less certainty, it will be here. And your job is to make sure that you can head at least in the right direction. If you're going opposite the direction of where the future is going, you're going to be wiped out. It's, it's inevitable. But at least if you're heading in the right direction, generally, you can make course corrections along the way to make sure you're positioned to make profits and to uh, stay alive. Okay, cool. So what about the longer-term visions then? All right. So three years out plus, this is really where we have political and cultural impact. 
And this is where we have generational forces that are going to change what and why people buy. And what's happening right now in progressive parts of the country will become um, more in line with uh, the rest of the organization. So what's the probability of the rest of the population following some of the issues that we're facing? So current uh, factors we have to consider, I think such as increasing student debt. So students that come out of school, if they have massive amounts of debt, they're going to have less money to spend on what you bring to market. So we have to think about that. Uh, veganism is on the rise, and it's having a great impact on purchasing decisions. And for example, Nestle has announced that by 2024, all of the eggs in their products will be cage-free. Well, if you think about it, that's stunning, Brian, because Nestle is saying we're willing to pay four times more for a commodity because the generations insist on humanity when it comes to the creation of their products that they consume. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about that. That is something that can change your marketplace, whether you align with that currently or not, isn't going to matter. You still have to think about it. Uh, we're seeing a decline in materialism and an increase in experience and transformation. So if you're making, for example, jewelry, it, you're going to have to shift it to more, that it has more meaning, more, uh, more substance than just gold <laughs> because we're moving from that experience to transformation where people want to be better versions of themselves. And that's what I see going on three years or so out. And on top of that, on top of that, what you have to think about is how compelling is the story that you can tell around that you know, so that you can start to get yourself positioned in a way that's going to keep you and make you relevant out that far. Right on. Such an important aspect is we have to tell the story the right way and telling the story the old way isn't going to cut it anymore. We're going to have to tell it in alignment with the identity of the people that we want to sell to. So keep in mind that innovation isn't about walking and then running, but about changing modes of transportation. And you may need to do a pivot away from what you're selling right now to be successful going into 2020 or 2021 or 2024. All right. Makes sense. So let's talk about how you can predict future profits. We, we talked about some of the directions you need to go, but let, let me give you a formula about how to predict future profits. Within the timeframes we've talked about, consistent profits really come from providing your target market with products that are number one, scarce. Number two, desirable. And number three, necessary. Scarce, desirable, and necessary. Those are the three components that we're going to look at. Now, the thing to keep in mind is that market segments consider these elements differently. For example, gold might be necessary for a manufacturer who uses them to produce their products, could be desirable for consumers who like to wear them as an as indication of wealth and jewelry. And it might be scarce for investors who like to hold it as a representation of value. So keep in mind that depending on what you're selling, it's going to depend on whether something is necessary, desirable, or scarce. I want to put that into context there. So if we have all three, then we have consistent profits. And if what you offer is exclusive, unique, or rare, then you can set the prices when it comes to scarcity that reflect the market demand. So compare this with the abundant availability 
when the price gets set by the lowest cost producer or the most desperate vendor, then scarcity declines, your profits decline. So scarcity depends on supply and demand, technology for production, politics, and even culture. So just think about scarcity. If you have something that's not scarce, but it's desirable, necessary, then you have a commodity. And it's hard to make a lot of money in commodity unless you're large and you can move a lot of it. So let's think about necessary. So when the marketing needs what you offer, they'll get it or they'll find a substitute for it. Sometimes substitution is a place where we can make money. So this includes items like housing, fuel, food, utilities, which we got to have those things to live. Necessity depends on culture, geography, and the target market. Now, the, all, the thing that's interesting is that necessary changes over time. And so with certain things become less and less necessary and certain things become more and more necessary. And it's that direction of necessary that we have to pay attention to. Then the last aspect is, is desirable. When the market wants what you've got, they'll prioritize and they'll pursue and they'll pay for it. And if it's not desirable, you may not even be able to give it away. <laughs> now you can increase desirability through marketing. And over time, what's desirable becomes necessary. It's called the Cano model. And Dr. Cano is the one that identified this. A good example of that is 12 years ago, a smartphone was desirable. Today, a smartphone is necessary. And uh, we'll see, we see that. Same thing with automobiles. And, uh, we're in that right now with electric cars. It's desirable, but not necessary. We'll see auto, auto, uh, electric automobiles as being necessary in the future. So other good examples um, um, are fast food, meals that are ready to eat. You, know, you walk into a, a restaurant, I'm, I'm, into a, not a restaurant, a uh, grocery store these days, and oftentimes you'll walk into the part of the, of the store that has prepared foods all ready to go versus ingredients. So grocery stores are pivoting from an ingredient focus, well, they still have them, to food that is ready to go where they're competing with restaurants. So desirability depends on culture, market preferences, perceived scarcity, that comes from marketing, prestige, and fashion. So think about your products and your services. Which direction are they going? Is, is scarcity increasing or decreasing? How can you increase scarcity? Necessity, is it increasing or decreasing? How can you increase necessity? Desirability, is it increasing or decreasing? How can you increase desirability? That is what you get to look at and do in your marketplace as you predict your future. Sounds good? Yeah, sounds great, man. And one of the, I would say, case studies recently is the new Tesla truck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which you know, is just bizarre. Um, yeah, it's something. It's cool, something. It's ugly. But the bottom line is they show it. Uh, they threw a rock at it. It was unbreakable glass that broke. Yet he sold, I think, like $16 million of those on the first day before it was even produced. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, right. Well, I think a good example of that is that what, what what Alan is really, really good at is creating both scarcity, necessity, and desirability in his products. He understands what we've just talked about innately. And 
one of the things that you, you might do is go and find his tweet from yesterday. He was actually doing geek jokes about the reason why he made the truck the way it is, is because it renders faster in the simulation. That's crazy. <laughs> it's a polygon. So, the, you know, and he actually kind of digs into an interesting esoteric conversation around the fact that the speed of light sets the render speed for our simulation. <laughs> a polygon is also losing your parrot, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Well, let me offer the, our listeners a few questions for you to jot down. And of course, you can put this on the show page that you can use to help you predict your future. So ask yourself, just how good is your crystal ball? Mm -hmm. And is that going to get better or worse? How can you improve the quality of your crystal ball? I spend about an hour a day feeding my crystal ball so that I can help my clients do a better job predicting their future. How much time do you need to be thinking about your future? Do you need to do that an hour a week, a few hours a day, or a few minutes a day? You need to schedule the time to predict the future because as the owner of your business, as the executive of your business, you're the one that's responsible for this and you're the one that's going to have the greatest impact if you don't get it right. And then how important are each of these time frames we've talked about to the impact of your business? Is it a, is it important or not? Whatever it happens to be, you need to make those decisions. These are strategic choices going into the new year that you need to pay attention to. So as far as your action plan, build and frequently update a document to collect insights that have impact on the four timeframes we've talked about and hold crystal ball conversations with customers, vendors, partners, industry leaders, me, Brian, <laughs> have conversations about with the crystal ball. What do you think is coming down the line? What do you think is going to happen in the next two or three years? Some of it you'll have to throw away. Some of it will be solid gold nuggets that you'll be able to bring together from the other conversations to help you predict a future with a high degree of accuracy. Make sure you talk to people of all generations, talk to kids, talk to, to oldsters, talk to people at all generations to get their thoughts and insights to understand what they identify with because ultimately identity is how people choose and what they feel is important. And then the thing we have to pay attention to is the changes. What are the changes in the way that people think, the way they make decisions, the way they spend their money, the way they spend their free time? Because those are huge predictors of the future. All right. I got one final question. As we sit here at the precipice of 2020, so what is the one thing that you think from last year is just going to disappear and what is the one thing looking forward you think that is going to make the biggest difference right out of the gate oh boy i think one of the things that's going to disappear from last year is some of the um, mainstream media they're gonna they're just going to fade away we've already seen substantial declines in a lot of the old media as uh, as they've chosen to be extremely partisan in their reporting and i and we're seeing that in declining uh they're declining numbers. So I, I think we're going to actually see some old school media disappear. We're going to see some old brands drop off the face of the earth. Uh, so that, that I think is going to be an interesting change. As far as the future, I think that we're going to see 
I, I think we're going to see a lot more tribes being formed. People are hungering for interaction with other human beings. And I, I think we're, we're sort of at that peak of self-indulgent consumption of screen time and getting back to the, uh, the desire to reconnect with human beings and share experiences. Um, I, I only have a small amount of data to illustrate that. But the one thing I can point out is that I'm noticing that when I get together with friends, uh, people aren't pulling out their cell phones like they used to. And I see that um, as a really good thing as we start to communicate with each other and create relationships, because that's where the value lies. And if we can do that for our customers, if we can illustrate true human connection, we will have a competitive advantage that a lot of people have yet to discover. And I think that's so key. I think figuring out a way to take and humanize your business more in the upcoming year is going to be one of the themes that I think is going to make you stand out. So I I think that's very thought provoking and forward thinking, sir. I like it. I I like the way that you said that humanize the business. How can you better humanize your business? And it gets back to the point you made halfway through the show. How do we tell the story? Because the story is how we create the human connection. Right. Very much so. Well, Mark, once again, you have come on and not disappointed and dropped some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. If people wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is, hey, why don't you email me? Mark.smith at bjaco.com, M-A-R-K dot S-M-I-T-H at bjaco, B-I-J-A-C-O.com. Let's have a conversation. Let's put 20 minutes on the calendar and let's talk. Yes, I am willing to speak to any listener. I'll give you 20 minutes of my time. And you know how many people are going to take me up on it? Not enough. Nope, because they don't think I mean it. They're gonna, they think I'm going to sell them something. I might but only if you need it. (laughs) Well, Mark, once again, man, it's always a pleasure. Happy New Year to you and your family. And thanks again, dude, for coming on the Bacon Podcast. I look forward to episode number 50. So do I. Thank you for inviting me back, my friend. It's always a delight. Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.